talks Come from a different cloth Y'all would get ripped apart You want a diamond Then you gotta get it in the dark We dropping nuggets Like Carmelo went to Rucker Park Now we eating from state to state We scrape the plate I put my eggs in a basket Took a leap of faith I took a chance Now we grow and see the impact Decoding success with special guests Now let's bring Matt Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode number 177 of the Decoding Success Podcast, and you're rocking with your host, Matt Labrie. Today, we are joined by an amazing individual who has once graced us with her presence in the past, dating all the way back to August of 2019. Today, we are joined again by our friend Kate Ekman, author of The Full Spirit Workout, a 10-step system to shed your self-doubt, strengthen your spiritual core, and create a fun and fulfilling life. Now, Kate is a broadcast journalist and a TV person personality who brings her expertise in communications, performance, and mindfulness to her practice as a success coach for business leaders and professional athletes. She earned a BA in communications from Penn State University, where she was an academic All-American swimmer and received her master's degree from Northwestern University's School of Journalism. She graduated at the highest level from Columbia University's Executive and Organizational Coaching Program and is a certified ICF coach and a licensed NBI consultant. Passionate about mindfulness practices for both brain and body health. She is also a meditation teacher and course creator for Insight Timer, the world's number one ranked free meditation app. Now today, Kate and I are diving into a whole array of amazing topics, whether that's her book, diving through the ins and outs of that, whether it's the personal stuff, personal growth that she's accomplished over the course of two years, even through a global pandemic and so much more. Really excited to have you joining us today. Now, I'm just going to throw this out there. If you find this episode to be of value, make sure that you are sharing it with the people that are in your circle, because if they're in your circle, they are like-minded, and if you're finding this of value, I guarantee you can be the beacon of light in their life today by sharing this. On top of that, I have been urging everyone around me to make sure you are subscribing to us on YouTube, as you are going to not only get the audio version through whatever podcast platform you listen to us on, but now you'll be able to watch us. You'll be able to watch every single interview. So make sure that you are checking us out through the show notes of this episode where you can find us on YouTube. And now without further ado, we bring to you our friend Kate Ekman. Yeah. How's it going? It's good. Um, Good. Honestly, I just slack a little bit too much. I just have so much going on. I'm all over the place. I get that. And uh, this show, like everyone that comes on is like, this this is going to go somewhere for you. And I don't know if I'm scared of that or I don't know what it is. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So you're kind of blocking yourself. What are you scared of? Uh, That's a great, well, I'm just going to use this as the intro, but we'll actually, it's recording. So why not? Um, That's a great question. I think the two biggest fears that come up and they're complete opposites. Number one is the fear of not being um, my best version, like the fear of like not achieving everything I know I can achieve. And my other fear is mediocrity, you know, just like, the complete opposite of it. So I think those two things really, it's a, it's a divide, right? And a divide divisions anxiety. So it, it's really incredible, like looking at it in that sense. There's days where I'm just like, so on top of everything and just in such a flow. And then there's other days where I'm just like, eh, you know, whatever. Um, I guess it's just human, you know, so I'm, I don't judge. I'm doing a lot better with not judging myself, you know? I like that. I think sometimes we even fear how, 
success could disrupt our life. And mm-hmm. um, it is a little bit of that. Well, who am I to do this? Or we do get stuck in our comfort zone and what is familiar. And it's just this arbitrary boundary we've created in our minds based on fear. And it's, I'm saying this because it's chapter one of my book is stretch your comfort zone. And mm-hmm. we, we call it the comfort zone because it's, well, it's comfy, you know? So it's like, oh, you step out into the unknown and it is. Um, Maybe you're not judging yourself, but what if others judge me? What if, you know, it's good, but it's not great or so many things come up. But I will say from experience, when we we dare to put ourselves out there and stretch in a big way that we are always rewarded, even if it's uncomfortable or scary at first or we experience resistance. So I invite you to you know, kind of step into even more success or step into maybe this won't work, but in that stumble, I will meet this person or I will get this opportunity and just kind of go with it because you're, you know, you're meant to be out there in a big way, Matt. No, I definitely appreciate that. I think, you know, maybe even another thing that comes up and I know this is not only just me that, that feels it, but, um, I think that there's a part of it, you know, how you were mentioning the comfort zone, you know, like there's people in your comfort zone too. And I think that being that we have the primal instinct of wanting community, we're scared that when we do reach that new level, that those people will no longer be in our life. Right. Interesting. Because it does make sense. And as you were talking, all I could think of is when you do, you know, elevate yourself and what you're doing, then some people may fall away. And I'll even dare to say they will fall away. And that's okay. And you release people with love and they may come back around. But then I'm just finding this in this this book circuit and just being on so many great podcasts like yours where I'm meeting new people that I've known them for an hour and we are connecting on a deeper level than these comfort zone people you're talking about that you've known for years or even just a year, but that's the beauty in it. And then you have the space and capacity to take on new people, new ideas. And you just, you just never even know how far you can go. Mm -hmm. Someone even said to me, my cousin's son got married super young at 21, 22. And I just think, gosh, how do you even know what you like or who you really are? And, and he said to me, the 21 year old, like, well, I like this woman. So the end. And I think, okay, but you know, you just, you don't know anything else and it's nothing against her. And I, I'm, I have no dog in that fight. I don't care if they're married or not married or whatever. And good for you. And if you're happy, I'm happy for you. But I just think sometimes we don't even allow ourselves to experience how good things can be, whether it is a marriage, a job, a podcast, whatever it is, or you have the crap. You're like, no, I love this crappy pizza right down the block for me, Kate. It's the best. And I'm like, no, but you haven't had this pizza that I've had in Milan. And you're just like, screw that Milan pizza. This, this pizza, you know, where I live in Queens is the best. And so even if that's true for you, but I just say, okay, let that be true for now, but just, just try this Milan pizza. And this is a silly example. Cause I love pizza. I know you do too, but <laughs> I just think sometimes we don't even allow ourselves to, to go way to let our minds and our lives expand. I'm curious to learn how, and I, I love how this podcast started off seriously like this. I, I I'm not even <laughs> it's kidding. So us. It's so us. I literally fucking love it. Um, But you mentioned releasing people and I find that to be actually really difficult. Um, 
whether it be just the friendship, whether it be romantically, whether it be professionally, it is actually really difficult to do. And I guess it comes down to also not only just releasing people, but releasing, you know, the the pizza you think is the best or whatever else. So I'm curious, like, how do you go about doing so? Yeah, I think things sometimes run their course or that the you know, the maximum potential for you to grow has reached its limit with with that person and your direct, immediate physical world. And so again, it's not about like, screw you, I'm never talking to you again, but it's just kind of like, wow, I'm falling into old patterns or I'm not really growing in this relationship. Or like you said, I'm just very comfortable here and being comfortable is, is fine. It's nice. But I think I've just learned from experience. I think of this woman who was constantly calling me and, um, It was never anything positive. And I have compassion. We've all, especially this past year, have been in some dark places. I'll admit that for myself. I've had a great year, but been in some dark places. But when that person is just not adding to your life or you think you achieved something really great and they're not really celebrating you or supporting you, it's kind of like... Oh, maybe re-examine. And and like I said, then I meet people who they've known me an hour and they are extremely supportive and they they get me and they're invested in the work that I'm doing and, and want to help me reach even more people and, and support me in that mission. So I think sometimes we don't even realize that people are holding us back. And by holding us back, they're not bad people, but we're staying in old patterns of behavior. We're staying in old ways of doing things when we can just expand and grow. And some people stay there their whole lives and they're, they're happy and comfortable there. But I think for me in the work that I do, I just want to invite everybody to expand and grow and allow yourself to see how rich and juicy life can really be. And as you know, the people in our, in our lives help us um, have a life that is more rich and juicy. You know that. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, well, firstly, I, I resonate with all of that. I, I really, really do. And I love that. Uh, I think there's so many components to it, whether it be attachment styles or whatnot. But I, I really resonated with, with it because I know you're on Clubhouse. I've been on Clubhouse for X amount of months and I'm meeting people just one-off meets and I'm like, holy shit, like what an amazing connection, whether it be, you know, romantically, professionally, whatever, right? Like whatever the case is, like they just... It's it's incredible, bottom line. Um, so again, I love how this started off. I do want to ask you a question that I always ask to typically kick off these interviews, which I asked you last time around, um, which was August 1st, 2019. That's when our other episode aired, wow. by the way. Almost two years, which is... Wow pretty crazy. Uh, I asked you, how do you personally define success? Now, I'm not going to tell you what your response was at that time, but I'm curious to see if it's changed. And it's not a test, but in in good spirit. What a great question. And that's something that I'm always working with my clients with because I work with some millionaires or even a billionaire or professional athletes, people who on the outside have achieved such great success. Mm. But they feel that something is missing or they're starting to think about their legacy and what they leave behind for their children or the world that people remember them by. And they're realizing that some multi-million dollar deal or some big house isn't cutting it. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. Ultimately, um, one client who had a major health scare and almost lost his life. So now he's thinking, oh my gosh, what does any of this mean? If I can't even see my kids graduate from school and things like that. So He's looking at just investing his money in a whole new way. So 
I think it's not so much. Sometimes people are so caught up in, in the societal definition of success, which is what fame and fortune. And, and that's great. But as we've all experienced, I don't, I'm not a multimillionaire yet. I, you know, I've, I've achieved success, but not, I'm not the, on the, you know, Kim Kardashian level or president Obama level, something like that. Um, but I've just realized you, you get these things that society says is success and you're happy for 10, 15 minutes until you need the next thing and the next hit and the next person to impress and the next person to think, Ooh, good for you. So the long winded way of, of answering this question is I think success is inner peace. I don't want to sound like a, a Buddhist yoga yogi on the mountaintop, but really if you are not feeling peace within yourself and you don't feel connected to yourself and others, there is no success. So I define success as, as inner peace, uh, extending that peace to others. And with that is joy. So it's peace and, and the joy, authentic joy that can only come from within and that authentic confidence that can always come from within and spreading that out to everyone you meet and, and do infuse it into everything that you do. I love that. So that was your response in 2019. Your response in 2019 was inner peace. I just took a few notes. I bullet pointed it. You said inner peace, at peace with self, and then you vulnerably shared placing worth outside. You said that you were someone that's done that in the past, as we all were, right? I mean, listen, everyone, I, I think we're at like 180 plus episodes at this point, and almost every single person that's hopped on the show has said they've done that. So it's very human-like, but... I just real. I was smiling because oh, I'm just. You, I love you that. said it. You said it, and I'm sitting here, and I'm like, "Yep, that's exactly what she said." So I love it. Um, but I am curious. You know, you were talking about how you help your clients shift out of the external um, viewpoints of what success is, the mansions, the this, the that. I think I have two questions, and I, I've never asked the second one. But the first is, you know, how do you advise someone to make that shift? But also. I'm curious to get your take on, is everyone meant to make that shift, right? Like, and I've never asked that before because I know people and listen, no hard feelings toward them whatsoever, but you know, the Chanel bag, the mansions, the, you know, whatever the case is that like, that's their life. And I don't necessarily know if they're destined to make that shift outside of their current views. So I'm just curious. Great, great questions. I think the first question um, in terms of making the shift is, is really taking that time to sit in a room by yourself quietly and reflect and ask your things like, hey, how are you doing? What's working right now? What isn't? What is bringing you the most joy right now? What energizes you? If you woke up tomorrow morning and a miracle had occurred overnight, what does your life look like when you wake up? And get specific, get detail-oriented. You might say it looks exactly like it does now, except for I'm retired and selling fruit on a beach in Cancun or whatever. Um, or it's it's similar to now, only I have a better relationship with my spouse or my kids or whatever. I don't want to start making things up for people, but I think it's, it's really getting clear on who you are, not your title, not your labels, but who you are at your core, daring to explore that and, and coming to terms with what you really want. And I, I say really with it's, if I'm writing it, it's in italics. So there's a huge difference between what we want and what we really want. So for example, 
I want to talking about pizza again. I want to eat the entire pizza, but what I really want is optimal health and fitness. I want to tell that person that they are a complete jerk, but what I really want is to feel at harmony within myself and with other people. And that takes a lot of practice. As you know, we are always going to be triggered by somebody at my mentor used to say to me when I would be triggered, she's like, Oh, that person has been sent from central casting to show you the limits to your lovelessness and the work you still have to do. And it's like, Oh, I thought I was more enlightened than that. Like, but this person's really triggering me. So I think then once you kind of figure out who you are and your goals, it's aligning those goals with your values and priorities. So I'm always having clients get super clear on their values and they'll tell me a goal. And I said, what, what value does that align, align with? And why is this important to you right now? So research shows that our motivation to change happens in the who, who we are, um, our, our, characteristics and strengths and in the why the why will get you to your action steps and the why will keep you going even when you want to throw in the towel and even when it's gotten hard why is this important to you why is this your purpose so those are things to keep in mind and then i hear what you're saying because um i I had a conversation recently with a family member and you know i think just me being me in the work i do i always want more for people and Again, I I hear my mentor. She said a lot of great things to me over the years. She used to say to me, Kate, it is not your job to police other people. And that's another one where it's like, oh, especially when it's a a significant other or a family member, because you're like, if they could just do this or if they just like, oh, my gosh, but they're happy in that. And let them let you set the example. You lead by example. Let your actions and you living and speaking your truth inspire them to live and speak their truth. And if they never fully do, that's on them. And you, again, that that's those are their choices. But I think sometimes we are all guilty of wanting to change people because they yeah. can be better and we want this thing for them, but they have to come to that for themselves. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a battle I've personally faced, like trying to change people. Um, and in fact, it was actually just brought up via conversation this weekend while I was at dinner with a few older gentlemen. And one mentioned the book, Men Are From Mars, Winner From Venus. I, I've never read it, but he was like, listen, I can sum it up for you. It was like masculine energy, like men <laughs> want to fix things. Um, but clearly, I mean, everyone does, you know, especially if you're a good person as you are. Um, and many people in this world, you know, when they see a, a path for someone, it's like, hey, this could help you. Um, we, you know, we necessarily can't just push them down that path or they got to do it for themselves, but yeah. And I, can I interject quickly too? I think there's this, there's this epidemic that's happening with both men and women where everyone, especially in the coaching world, people think coaching is solving problems and that's actually not what coaching is. And there's this thing where everyone wants to fix everyone or solve your problem. Like if whether we're friends or we're client coach and I call you and I'm really upset about something, I think it's, it's the default setting to here's what you should do, Kate, or what do you often hear people say? My greatest pet peeve, just let it go. Mm. And I think that is so dismissive and I've even reframed, let it go to, to give it up. So I give it, I believe in God, which I think is love. I give it up to God, my angels, a power greater than me. And I say, please take this from me. I am not enlightened enough to not be triggered by this person's behavior. Please take this from me. I I give it up to you. And I even said to a woman the other day, I said, you know, I don't, I don't need advice. I don't need, that's another big one, right? This unsolicited advice. If, If I want, like right now, if I'm like, Hey Matt, do you like my shirt? But if you just say, I don't like your shirt, you should change. It's like, Whoa. Um, 
and that's a silly example, but I think right now there's an epidemic of people, even people who love us or claim to love us don't Mm -hmm. really see us. They don't hear us and they don't acknowledge us. And if you called me upset right now, I would want to listen to you and, and just let you get it off because nine times out of 10, people don't want or need advice. They just want to be heard and acknowledged. Right. Yeah. I definitely hear that. And I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I want to touch base before I forget the question. Um, You were mentioning getting clear. And the first things that were coming to my mind were, and I guess this is personal, right? So I'm just going to ask because I'm sure there's many people out there that feel this, but I feel like when it comes down to getting clear, or just in general, we lie to ourselves more than we lie to other people. Right. So that was one of the things that came to my mind. It's like, all right, cool. Like I want to get clear and I'm just speaking generally here. Like I want to get clear, but I know I'll lie to myself, right. Whether it's about where I am um, mentally, where, where I am financially, where I am professionally, et cetera. And then on top of it, I'm saying to myself, as, as you were, you know, mentioning all that great stuff was that society in itself, and this goes back to what we were talking about way earlier in this episode. It's like society has also made me into someone that I'm not. Ooh. Right. So like and society does it to everyone because it goes back to the primal, like you want to fit in. So like you, you might've thought you, uh, something was funny at five years old, but then at six years old, you realize like, Oh wow, the group of friends I have don't think that's funny. So now it's not funny to me. Right. And that, that just like pounds on and, and just continues to pound on throughout the years. So I'm curious, like, how do you shed that stuff while getting clear? Yeah, I think we experience self-doubt or struggle or not being honest with ourselves when we've forgotten who we are. Mm -hmm. We have fallen asleep to the truth of who we are. We think that we are our job and our titles and I am a parent, I am a CEO, I am unemployed, I am struggling financially or whatever our thing is, I am attractive, I am not attractive enough, whatever. And we've forgotten that the truth is underneath all of that stuff, just how powerful we are and how magnificent we are. And that, you know, the truth of who we are and what we really want, it can't be rejected. It can't be criticized. We just, we forget how magnificent we are because we're plugged into societal standards and a system that is bombarding us with messages, telling us how we don't add up, how we're never going to get it right. And we don't even realize that we're plugged into that brainwashing because Mm -hmm. we're so busy and distracted trying to, you know, make it happen and be successful. So that's why, I mean, getting clear is about getting quiet and, and blocking out all the noise. I think of all my favorite athletes, like Kobe Bryant just came to mind and his ability to block out the noise and just focus in is extraordinary. I mean, athletic talent aside and hard work aside, I think that's the X factor for him. It's just the mindfulness and dialing in at the task at hand and forgetting about all the other noise and nonsense. So I think it is something where we just we don't even know who we are because we've allowed, like you said, society to tell us and people end up in marriages and careers and cities that they don't even like. I mean, I I had a friend who became a client who just was telling me about this horrible marriage. And I said, why did you marry this person? And he's like, I was 23. That's what you did back then. You just got married to who was there and no judgment, no shame, but 
wow, that's kind of like you've got the blinders on going through life. So it's being more intentional and and more respectful to ourselves and, and being okay with disappointing others, whether it's mom or dad, the person you're dating, your boss, whatever, just being truthful. Right, right. I love this conversation. Uh, and, you know, it, it goes back to how you define success. I'm curious, like, you know, you, you said that two years ago. So, like, what do you feel like has been your biggest or your your most monumental moment? Like, what, what has been the biggest shift for Kate over the past two years? Wow. I think that I've gotten more comfortable being uncomfortable and with things kind of going away and, and blowing up. And I think I've become more like Kobe and caring less what other people think and really honing in on my thoughts and feelings that are ultimately all that truly matter. And, and what do I think and becoming fiercely protective over my energy. I was, you know, born and raised in the Midwest. I'm a nice Ohio girl. My mom has said to me way too many times, just be nice, be nice, be nice. And I, my, um, when I was getting my master's degree at Columbia and one of my colleagues was coaching me and he said something along the lines of how is, how is being nice holding you back? And it kind of just blew up my world. And cause you would never think being nice would ever be anything but positive. And just being a people, uh, whether it's a people pleaser or just putting others, their, their, their feelings ahead of my own. It's great to care about other people and care about their well-being, but not at, at the expense of yourself. And so I think the biggest shift for me and the biggest growth has been putting my well-being first and foremost, uh, no exceptions, no, it's non-negotiable because I saw that this past year when I'm not caring for myself, it's not, it's not pretty. Um, and just how important that is for everybody. This it's not selfish and you certainly need to care for others, but you really have to look out for yourself. And that's going to mean simplifying. It's going to mean saying no, it's going to mean setting boundaries that are going to piss people off. But would you rather piss someone off or be mentally unwell or emotionally unwell or physically sick? And so I think it sounds dramatic and that serious because it is quite frankly. No, I, it definitely is like, it really, really is. I can resonate with that on such a high level as well. I'm curious for you, was that an overnight process? Like, did you just go full cold Turkey or was it like a step-by-step -step thing? Oh, absolutely. Step by step. And, and also okay. it's, it is a practice. It's just like anything. I, I relate so much to athletics because I swam competitively for 17 years and I was a sports reporter and just, I've spent so much time around athletes and in the athletic world with friends and clients. And, you know, I think of covering this San Antonio Spurs game years ago and Tim Duncan at the time was the league MVP. They were winning the, the championships and the game I was covering, he had his worst game in his career. So he was playing so badly. They took him out of the game. They benched Tim Duncan. And afterwards I was interviewing his, his teammate, Manu Ginobili. And of course we were asking about what's going on with Tim Duncan. And he said, I'll never forget this. He said, you know, I know he looks like Superman and he plays like Superman and he acts like Superman, but he's not Superman. He's a human and he's entitled to a bad day. And I was just like, yes, amen. And I think sometimes we are just so guilty of, of shaming ourselves. And it's like, you know, even I know you're into fitness, you're working out, you're eating clean. And then you're like, I fell off the wagon, Kate, I've gained 10 pounds. And it's kind of like, who cares? You know, I, you're, I, I know you're not invested in being unhealthy or overweight or out of shape, but 
I think there's just so much pressure we place on ourselves and it, it is a process. Um, we are not enlightened masters. And I, I think that's even people like myself who write books or who are labeled experts or something and, and pretend to have it all together and they're perfect at all times. No, no, mm. you're going to have a bad day. It's okay. You fall off the path get back on. And that's why it's so important to cultivate these, these characteristics and tools. So when you did, you do fall off the wagon, you just get back on and be on your merry way. Well, Kate, I didn't mention the 10 pounds I gained. Can you see it in my face? No. (laughs) (laughs) Can you see it in mine? (laughs) No, I can't. I can't. But yeah, I've definitely fallen off that bandwagon. Uh, (laughs) Me too. Me too. Yes. So talk to me about your book. I, I wrote down the subtitles. So the Full Spirit Workbook, a 10-step system to shed your self-doubt, strengthen your spiritual core, and create a fun and fulfilling life. Why did you write this book at this point in your life? I wrote this book. It was just a natural progression after all the articles that I've written for various publications. And it was, it, I call it a divine assignment. It was given to me by Sam and Roth, who are my dear friends who are no longer with us. They both died by suicide and it mm-hmm. completely changed the trajectory of my whole life. And so I really wrote this book for them and anyone like them, which is everybody because everybody struggles. And if you are not conscious or admitting that you have struggled or are struggling, then you're struggling more than anybody. And and I really, um, my heart goes out to you because uh, yeah, if you can't even admit that you're struggling, then that's, that's rough. Right. So mm. I want it to be a celebration of life. Um, I also wanted it to be a, a, a series or a, um, what is the word I'm looking for? I don't have the word right now, but I wanted to offer hope to people who are are experiencing a lot of self-doubt or experiencing um, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, uncertainty, chaos in this crazy, crazy, but beautiful world that we live in. And I just, I worked so hard. I, I knew how hard I had to train my physical muscles as an athlete my whole life. And after going through my own insecurities and and traumas and things like that, I knew there had to be a way to strengthen my attitudinal muscles, my mental, emotional, spiritual muscles, and really get fit and toned on the inside. So that's been my life's work and my quest for many years and and going back to school and and learning the whole person coaching techniques and and studying neuroscience and positive psychology and and giving people, I made the workout fun because no one, we all know if if it's boring, if it sucks, if you hate your trainer, you're not going to stick with your program. So making this fun, you do have to put in the work, you know, you can't go to the gym and your personal trainer can't do the sit-ups and pull-ups for you. You have to actually do them, but I have made it fun and, and fulfilling. And I know that these exercises work because I've done them on myself and with countless clients. And I just think now is the perfect time for us all to really um, beef up our inner fitness because there is a lot to navigate right now. And we all deserve to live lives that truly light us up. Then we're not Mm. just getting by, but we're really thriving, not just for ourselves, but for our families and communities and the world. I think it's great to be a part of the solution rather than just complaining about all the things you hate going on in the world right now. I love that. So what did writing this book teach you? It taught me that not just me, but all of us can do whatever we decide is important enough. I Mm -hmm. wrote and edited this during a global pandemic when there was a lot of distractions. Um, There was more quiet time, but that quiet time of 
angst and depression and fear and um, worry. But I was I was dedicated. That's the swimmer in me. I'm very disciplined. And this work was so important to me. And the only reason I was able to do this is because I had a very strong why. My strong why was these men, was um, people I saw all around me who don't have the tools and don't have thousands of dollars to spend on a private coach or things like that or, or go to these. But so much information in this book for less than $17 that you can return to again and again and, and do the journaling exercises and do the meditations, which I just recorded with this amazing sound mixer. They're going to be up on my website and where you can, you know, go on that journey within and, and really start to get that muscular musculature on the inside beefed up where you're just feeling better. And your default mm -hmm. setting is one of love and abundance and joy rather than scarcity and fear and doom and gloom. And it, it works. So I just, I I'm just thrilled about it. Cause it's, it is like my, um, child in terms of it's an extension of my heart and soul for the world. I love that. I also love how you were able to do this through the pandemic, right? Because there's a lot of people that obviously faced a lot of turbulence on a global scale. Um, there's a lot of people that viewed the pandemic as like a pause to life, which obviously it wasn't. Um, but you pushed through like that's absolutely incredible. So I just wanted to shine light on that. I love that. But as a reader, if I'm getting this book today, what is, if I could only learn one thing from this book, what do you want that one thing to be? Oh gosh, what a great question. What comes to mind is I want you to understand not just intellectually, but in your bones, in your body, without a shadow of a doubt, understand and appreciate how powerful you are. You can push past fear. You can reframe all of these limiting beliefs and, and, and delete them like a virus from your computer that's disrupting your operating system and create co-create with the universe, with God, whatever higher power you believe in, create new and improved belief systems for yourself. So when you go about your life in the world, you are operating from that place of power and stillness and calm confidence that you can weather any storm. And I, I say this with passion because I believe it. It is a practice. You know, Tom Brady doesn't keep winning Super Bowls at this age because he's just dialing it in, he trains harder than anybody because he's the best, not the worst. So it is that commitment to, to really want this for yourself. But I, I, I know that everyone has it in them. It's just a matter of starting with failure. As I learned from my friend, Jess Grippo, who I wrote about in the book, start with failure, be like me in dance class, be willing to show up and suck and not be great first or at all. I'm never going to be great at dance class, but that isn't the point. I'm showing up and I'm willing to do it. And I think as long as you're willing to show up, you can do that thing that you just keep talking about doing, but aren't doing. Why do you say that you're never going to be great at dance class? Well, I mean, it's just, it's not my skill set. And I think it's important to own. And I, you know, you can't do everything. You can't be great at everything, you know? And so dance, dance class for me is that place that is the ultimate rebellion against my inner perfectionist. Cause I'm, it's never like, I'm going to show up and be like, I'm so great. You know, let me be aspirational. No. No, but I own that. And that's why I love it because it's, it's refreshingly liberating just to do something because it brings you joy and you can move and move emotions out of your body and have mm. fun without I'm the best. I'm the expert. I make a million dollars. I'm on TV. No, 
just showing up and looking kind of silly, but it's amazing. You know, I love that. I love that. <laughs> that is incredible. That is so incredible. So you had mentioned that you've been doing a whole lot of podcasting in the UK and Florida, this one, that one. What is the question you wish more people would ask you and how would you answer it? Oh my gosh, you're, you're zinging me. I love it. What a great question. You have stumped me. This is when you know you've asked a great question and coaching too, because people don't have an answer immediately. What do I wish more people would ask? Wow. Um, I guess just which people are, but I think just getting deeper into, I feel like inner fitness or spiritual fitness is a new concept for a lot of people. So I think just going deeper into that, but, um, I think even more, how can we let ourselves off the hook more? Gosh, this is, you've really stumped me here. Um, That that wasn't the goal. That wasn't the goal, but. (laughs) (laughs) That's it's just, I'm going to be thinking, thinking about that. And I'll have to send you a a text message because that's a great question. Yeah, I, I, I will. I will ask. I will ask myself. Yeah. Yeah. Shoot it over to me whenever. I love that. I love it. Um, cool. So the book is, and I'm not kicking you out by any means. I just want to make sure that we're getting the word out there about the book. Yeah. It's in all major retailers, correct? It is. It is everywhere in the United States. April 27th, I believe May 7th in Canada, May 27th in UK and Australia. So any of your favorite bookstores, Amazon, li- literally anywhere people speak English, which is exciting. So cool. hopefully, hopefully it'll be in other languages at some point. That would be awesome. That would be so awesome. So I'm going to make sure that the show notes not only has your social links, website, et cetera, but where they can get the book as well. So we can make that super accessible. Perfect. Um, but I am curious. I always ask three questions as we um, are, are entering the exit phase of this interview. The first one being, what is a piece of advice that you were given that you didn't want to hear at the time it was given to you, but proved to be true over time? Mm. I'm just going to answer what's coming to mind first. Um, Not everybody's going to like you and that's okay. Mm. Why didn't you want to hear that? Because you want everyone to like you, right? Especially when you're as a younger person. (laughs) I mean, every, that's a good thing about birthdays. Every year I get older, I care less and less and less what people think. I don't need you to like it. I don't need you to validate me because I'm giving that to myself. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're human, right? You'd rather have people like you than not like you. And then when they don't like you, you think, but I was so nice to them or I'm so this. And, and so what I've learned too, it's, it really is never about us. You know, people can't give you what they don't have. So if they're lacking in, in self-respect or self-love or they hate their lives or careers, maybe don't expect them to celebrate your life or career or your accomplishments or respect mm-hmm. or be able to love you. And that's a really hard pill to swallow. Um, but, you know, people are where they are. What it's, I think it was Jan Levanzant who said, you know, people can only meet you as deeply as they've met themselves. Mm. That's, it is a hard pill to swallow. Um, probably one of the hardest that's still going down for me. It's like kind of lodged right here. So yeah. <laughs> I definitely yeah. resonate with it. I definitely resonate with it. I appreciate that. Now you had mentioned mentors, you've mentioned, you know, individuals you've looked up to, interviewed, et cetera. What is the best piece of advice you've received? Um, I've received, hmm, 
because so many things are coming to my mind right now. I think, uh, again, I'm just going with what comes to my mind. My swim coach on my club team growing up and my national team coach, Larry Lyons, the late, great Larry Lyons, he used to always say to us, if you take care of the little things, the big things will take care of themselves. And it's been such a great life lesson. And in terms of swimming, it's the little things like always having a fingertip finish, you know, not breathing in and out of your turns, focusing on your stroke technique, things like that. And the, the repetition builds habits, right? So, and then the big things like the national championships and, you know, when you get to nationals and you're on the block, you can just have fun and be in the moment because you've done all the training, you've taken care of all the little things. So the big thing, and whether you are the champion or not, you showed up, you had fun, you did your best, the end. And I, I've really taken that into my, my career as, you know, uh, on camera person as a model, a TV presenter, things like that, because there's so much criticism and, and self-criticism and, and people expecting you to look and sound and be perfect, whatever the hell that means, no such thing. But I would do that for myself. I would say, you know, did you take care of the little things, you know, coming prepared and practice, but every time I'm on TV, I say to myself, when I step off stage, I said, did you do your best? Did you have fun? And if mm -hmm. I can answer yes to those two things, then it was a success the end. So I, you either gave me deja vu or I asked you that the last time around and that was your exact response. Now, I, I didn't do the research that oh. far. Um, I, I think that was your exact response wow. last time. I'm going to have to follow up with you on that wow. because that was, that's really powerful. Uh, and I, I love when things happen like that. Or you gave me deja vu and I'm just like, oh, shit, I'm in the right place, right time. Granted, I already yeah. know that. Wow. <laughs> That's so powerful. I, I, again, because I, I just want people to know too, I think they've probably gathered. <laughs> there's no preparation. There's no, I mean, we are just literally in the moment, which is how I know we both love to do life, just present in the moment. Here we go. And so my, my recovering perfectionism is, or perfectionist self is kind of like, oh, or you should have had the answer right away. I'm like, no, it's in the moment. And I just, I wanted to, I think it's a good message to people. You don't always have to answer right away. The text, mm. the phone call, the email, in person, allow yourself a minute to sit and think. I know we're recording. I know people don't want a, a lull in the <laughs> interview, but it's just, and then just answering what authentically comes to your mind. That's your divine wisdom that you can become more practiced at listening to. And as I like to say to people, especially throughout my book, there are no right or wrong answers. What is mm -hmm. true for you right now in this moment? What's coming through? I love that. Yeah, I think taking and I, I'm really bad at it because I'm such a New Yorker, but like taking that pause when it comes <sighs> down to like a response to a question or even just in general conversation <sighs> back and forth. I'm just like, you know, once you stop talking, I'm talking, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's it's actually really difficult. Like that's that's a practice in itself. But I love that. I love that. I do too. And even when I, I always talk about my five P's of confidence and I give two bonus P's and one of my bonus P's is pause because, mm -hmm. and that is the spiritual fitness where you're, you're getting still and steady on the, on the inside and you don't have to respond immediately. You don't have to, you don't have to always fill up the space. I know we do that on, on TV. You do have to fill up the space because every second counts in live television and with advertising dollars and you're selling, et cetera. But I think just what is, I just got that uh, Uma Thurman and John Travolta from Pulp Fiction where she's just, they talk about the uncomfortable silence and she says, don't you just love it when you can just sit with someone and like shut the F up and just enjoy the peace, enjoy the energy or what's percolating between the two of you. And, you know, I saw that movie when I was much younger, obviously, I think it was 1995, but 
Like it's all, it's interesting, all the things you never forget. And I've shared several one-liners here from other people, things I will never forget. And I will never forget that line. It was so beautiful. And you could feel the chemistry between them and just that ma- that unspoken magic, which is mm. so much more profound and beautiful than anything that could be said in the spoken word. I love that. I love that. Now, Kate, I want to respect your time. I know we only got a couple minutes left, but last question for you. If Kate could only give one piece of advice for the rest of her life, meaning if she was hopping on stages, podcasting, writing another book, what would be that piece of advice you would give? Enjoy your life. Mm. Suck the juice out of every day. We don't know if tomorrow is going to be here for us. Nothing is promised or guaranteed. So suck that juice out of every day. Enjoy your life. I think we forget that. We're all intelligent, hardworking humans. And I think we forget to pause and just enjoy the present moment ourselves, each other, and our lives. I love that. I love it. Now, Anything that you have on the horizon outside of the book, as mentioned, I'm going to have your social links, website, where they can get the book in the show notes. But I just like to give the stage for a little bit in case there's something else that, you know, is on, on the brink or on the horizon, et cetera. Yeah. So the book, and then I just recorded the audio book, which will be out too, which was mm. so much work, but so much fun. And I think too, you'll just hear my personality. And if you're in the car, I recommend just taking this journey with me. I think you'll enjoy that. I have, you know, online courses that are launching. I'm launching a brand new website in the coming weeks, coming weeks, which is really exciting. And then just starting to do more speaking events and doing a lot of work in the confidence space, because that's another thing I'm learning is that everybody is lacking confidence in one area and you can be highly skilled and accomplished and confident over here, but then maybe not so much over here. So really doing a lot of work in, in that space. I love it. Kate, you are the best. I appreciate you hopping back on here. It's always a pleasure to have you. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I absolutely loved our conversation. You're the best, Matt. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That is Kate Ekman, episode number 177 of the Decoding Success podcast. You can find all of Kate's social handles, website, where you can get the book in the show notes of this episode. As I mentioned earlier, if you found this to be of value, please make sure you are sharing it with the people that are in your circle. And on top of that, if you have yet to leave a rating and review for the show, especially if you're tuned in from Apple, iTunes, etc., that would mean the absolute world to us. We're not asking for five stars. We just want your genuine feedback. And that definitely helps us pivot and do whatever we got to do to make this show applicable and more valuable to all of our amazing listeners out here. Until next time, everyone, be blessed. Peace.